Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Message I call a reign of righteousness. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Oh, yes. A reign of righteousness. You have plowed wickedness, you have reaped iniquity, you have eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted in your own way and the multitude of your mighty men. Therefore, tumult shall rise among your people. All your fortresses shall be plundered as Shalman plundered Beth Arvel in the day of battle. A mother dashed in pieces upon her children. This passage tonight is a classic revival message. Many a preacher in many a church throughout our country and no doubt probably around the world as well had preached that classic old message, break up your fallow ground. I've preached it a lot myself. Uh, back in my younger days, uh, churches were still having a lot of revivals and I preached a lot of revivals. Uh, one whole summer, I think I had 11 revivals out of 13 weeks and uh, I tell you what, I decided after that I wouldn't do that anymore. And I've been true to that ever since. I, uh, that was too much. Um, I still will preach one or two a year, but that's all. But not many calls for churches having revivals anymore. Uh, but we did then. It was a, a very significant time. And there was a lot of preaching done, no doubt, from this passage Hosea established the setting of this passage. We saw it a couple of weeks ago as he brought to mind several cities and began to call those out, just like we would call out cities like Los Angeles or Las Vegas, and we would immediately think of certain things. So Hosea was calling out certain cities, and it brought to mind then images of national calamity, national problems, national disgrace. He does it even in this passage as he speaks of Beth Arvel, a time when Israel suffered a terrible terrible defeat under the general shaman and awful things were done as so often is the case in war and battle it was a time of terrible defeat Hosea brought that up to tell the people that such a time is coming remember that Hosea was preaching in a time of national prosperity the nation was doing well financially Every way but spiritually. They were doing well. And Hosea appeared as a prophet of God to call them to repent and turn back to God before this awful calamity came. But of course, they didn't listen. They didn't listen. It's hard for us to imagine our nation maybe being defeated by foreign power. That all of our mighty men would go for naught. All of our military might would go for naught. All of our financial strength plundered. Could we imagine our property being taken away? Our money being worthless? All of these things happen when a nation falls. It's unthinkable for us. Like Israel of old, I think we trust in our mighty men. We can identify with their feelings. Oh, this could never happen. We could never happen. This couldn't happen. 
But they were moving inextricably toward disaster. Why was it that this was going to happen in Israel? Well, they had a repeating problem with sin. Specifically with idolatry and the uh, immorality and the rebellion that went along with it. And it, they got pulled further and further into it. Every time they went back to it, they got deeper and deeper into it. And we know about that cycle. Uh, we know what it's like to walk with God, to make a decision, to make a commitment. I'm going to follow Jesus. And to do well with that for a time. Only to turn back, get distracted, backslide we call it. And fall back into sin. Usually like Israel. We have some area of temptation. That tends to get us more easily than others. The great theologian Kenny Chesney once said. It's always my favorite sins that do me in. Ooh, That was an old country song in case you don't know it. Uh, sometimes our heart is just too stubborn and our eyes are too blinded to see how this sin is affecting us and because of that like in the case of Hosea it's always God who takes the initiative he sees where we are and though we might not see it he does and he creates in us a holy hunger a divine desire he puts an ache inside of us that nothing else can touch. It's not a pill that will take it away. He puts a need in us that nothing else can satisfy. And no matter how much sin we try to plug into it, no matter how we might look at our prosperity and try to plug all those things in it, things can't fill this desire. Things can't satisfy this need. Where that holy hunger and divine desire rises up in us, God is telling us, it is time to seek the Lord. That's what that means. You and I have all gone through it, perhaps. I don't want to presume on you, but I know I have. There is an awful emptiness that descends into our lives when our fellowship with God is severed. Now, if you're a believer in Christ, you cannot lose your salvation that's impossible but you can lose your fellowship with God if we walk in the light John said we as he is in the light we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin and there is a sweet sweet fellowship with God that is available to us when we walk in the light but listen God is not going to leave the light and come over in the darkness with us if we choose to walk in sin God uh, John told us that God is light and in him is no darkness at all you see God has no capacity uh, to get over into sin so that we can hang out together. God, God has no capacity for that. If we're going to fellowship with God, we have to walk in the light as He is in the light. Our relationship with God cannot be lost, but our fellowship with God can be forfeited. And when we lose our fellowship with God, it leaves behind the awful emptiness of gnawing hunger. And when we get tired of it, we find that God is ready and willing and eager to 
restore us. The book of Hosea almost began with that premise. As they said, let us return unto the Lord. They said, God has torn us, but he will heal us. You see, they were smart enough to know that if God has broke you, only God can fix you. Come, they said, and let us return unto the Lord. And he will restore us. And yes, he will. They were right. (laughs) They're still right. When we seek God then, we seek him until he rains righteousness upon us. What a powerful illustration we have of our need for a reign of righteousness right now in our community. Is it dry at your place? Hmm? A little hot? We've had a few sprinkles around, but I tell you what, when you need a rain, you need a rain. Sprinkles just don't get it. A little shower here and there, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about one of those long, soaking, slow rains that come around and last for days. We might have complained a little about the rain the last few years. We've enjoyed an abundance of rain. You know how that is. And after a while, we get kind of tired of it. Man, I've, I've, I've said it myself. I feel like I've moved to Washington or Oregon or something. Man, it's just raining all the time. Well, we're not feeling that way this year, are we? <coughs> we need to rain. But I'll tell you what, as much as our thirsty ground and the thirsty crops around us, as much as they need a rain, our hearts and souls need a rain. The hearts and souls of, of Cabot, Arkansas, the hearts and souls of Faith Baptist Church, we need a rain. What kind of rain? A rain of righteousness. Who gives us that? Only God. Only God does. And might I remind you that if we ask ourselves who sends the rain, the other kind of rain, God does that too. <laughs> Remember, the Bible tells us that he sends his rain on the just and the unjust. His rain. His rain. On the just and the unjust. Oh, we're scientific folks today. Well, we think that rain is just a part of the water cycle and blah, 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 blah. blah. Yeah, I know all that. But God said he sends his reign on the just and the unjust. I'll take the Bible every single time. We need a rain that will refresh our thirsty souls. We need a flood. We need a good, long rain of righteousness. How do we get it? We seek the Lord. It is time to seek the Lord until he comes. And rains righteousness upon you. This isn't the only passage of scripture that tells us to seek him. Not just an experience of God. Not just the blessings of God. But, but him. When we seek the Lord. Let's remind ourselves tonight that we seek all there is. Second Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. But I fear lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. So your mind should be com- corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The Christian life is not an easy life, but it is a simple life. What is it? It is seeking Jesus Christ. Because when we seek Christ, we seek all there is. 
The Bible tells us, Ephesians chapter 1, that in him, that is in Christ, are all the blessings of the Godhead, everything, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places are in Christ. When we seek Christ, then we get everything that God has to give, everything that he wants to give us, everything that he is capable of giving to us. It's all wrapped up in Jesus Christ. In Him are all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. And God blesses us with it. That's Ephesians 1.3. The Christian life, see, is simple. Just seek the Lord. Every time I read this passage, I'm amazed. 2 Corinthians 11. The serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. Eve had everything. You ever think about it? Eve had everything. So did Adam. They walked with God every day. They lived in a perfect world. They had everything. And yet Satan tempted them with what? More. God's holding out on you. Didn't God tell you you could have everything but not that? Well, everything you really want is, I mean, you think you've got it good, but everything, man, is all wrapped up in this. And if you, more. We remember when Philip came to Jesus and said, show us the Father and that'll be sufficient. Just show us God and we'll be satisfied. <laughs> Uh, no, he wouldn't. Jesus knew that. But Jesus corrected him by saying, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father also. We need to seek the Lord. We need to seek the Lord because our time is short. Sometimes it, it seems that what we need is something new. We need, we need, we're just like Adam and Eve. We, we need something else, something new, something different. Like the children of Israel, we're tired of the manna. We want something else. We need something new, something new. Oh, we don't need something new. Remember, Paul says, the simplicity is in Christ. The simplicity that is in Christ. Uh, every day in this country, people are leaving their families, leaving their spouses, leaving their jobs, sometimes leaving their homes, going to look for some new marriage, uh, some new relationship, something new. People leave uh, from one job and go to another one looking for something new. They leave one church, go to another one looking for something new. They leave one city and go to another one looking for something new. It never works for an obvious reason. <laughs> We put the same old me in it that we had before. That, you know, we can't leave ourselves behind. What we need is a new us. And that comes to us, first of all, through Jesus Christ when we're saved. But it comes to us again. Not that we can be saved again. But when we recommit ourselves to the simplicity that is in Christ, when we feel like, when we understand that the emptiness that we're struggling with, that gnawing hunger that we have, is not going to be filled by anything Except renewing my fellowship with Jesus Christ. That's it. It's time to seek the Lord. We can waste a lot of precious time. We can waste a lot of precious life. 
with an empty and miserable heart, drifting further and further away from God. The time is short. We don't have a lot of time. Let's not waste it. It's time to seek the Lord. But then Hosea would tell them not only is it time to seek the Lord because time is short. And it was certainly short for them. The looming judgment of God was coming upon them. They didn't have much time left. The time was short. But also he could tell them that because the time is right. The time is right. God it was working. God is working in our community. God right now is working in our church. Time is right. I'm grateful that Hosea didn't then just say, seek the Lord. But he showed us how. He gave us three specific commandments in this passage that we'll look at tonight of how we go about seeking the Lord. If we understand that the time is short, if we understand that the time is right, a time because that is right because God is at work, then how do we do it? Well, first of all, uh, there must be personal preparation. Personal preparation. He says, sow to yourselves in righteousness. Sowing to others is evangelism. Sowing to ourselves is a different subject. Before you see we can effectively minister to others, our own hearts need to get right with God. If God is going to change this country, if he's going to do a mighty work here, it always begins with his people. That's 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, if my people. If we allow our cold and calloused hearts, if we turn away from God and maybe get in the flesh... What the Bible calls carnality. Then we fall under the heading of 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. We can't feast at a table of sinful lust all week and expect to come to church on Sunday and be blessed. If our lives begin to turn in that direction, if our hearts are hardened, then God's work, God's will, God's worth, God's word, and God's worship are no longer held in high esteem. Meanwhile, God has us here in this community and He has us in this church because He wants to use us to be the kind of place where hungry, hurting people can come and find Him. We need our hearts then to be desperately in love with Jesus Christ and not dominated by the flesh. And sometimes that means we need to sow to ourselves in righteousness. What have we been sowing to ourselves? I can tell you one simple thing tonight. And as I tell you, I can tell myself one simple truth. Whatever you're sowing to yourselves is what you're going to reap. One simple truth. Uh, you don't sow purple whole peas and reap okra it's not the way it works God calls us in right up front as his people it's time to sow to ourselves in righteousness what are we putting in our hearts are we dedicating ourselves to the study of scripture are we reading the word of God are we studying the word of God are we listening uh, to people who sing and who lead us in praise and worship in the, in the week. We need that. That is how we sow to ourselves 
we sow to ourselves in righteousness. We live in a wicked world. And we have to watch out. I mentioned this this morning. We have to be on, constantly on guard that it doesn't pull us over into the flesh. I'm not trying to tell you tonight that we're a bunch of horrible, sinful people because we're not. We're not. But I know that when the flesh gets in control, then we quickly get out of control. Amen. Sow to yourself in righteousness. Then there must be a painful cultivation. Break up your fallow ground. If there's personal preparation, sow to yourselves in righteousness and then reap in mercy. There must also be painful cultivation. Break up your fallow ground. Uh, this is the fallow ground of the human heart. Remember, fallow ground is not fallow because uh, it has never been farmed. Fallow ground refers to ground that once was farmed and once was productive but has been neglected. When, a ground, when ground is not cultivated, a crust quickly forms and the ground is hardened. It grows up all kinds of weeds if it is neglected. Uh, that's just the way it is. And you can throw all the seed you want on fallow ground, but it's not going to produce anything. Even the rain that falls on it, it just becomes runoff. It just washes out. Break up your fallow ground means to run the plow deeply into the ground until all that hard soil is turned over and there's no part of it left undisturbed. That's why Vance Havner used to preach, fallow ground is fallow because it is undisturbed. How does that happen? Well, our heart gets hardened to the preaching of the word. Our heart gets hardened to the work of the Holy Spirit. And after a while, it just doesn't get to us anymore. Break up your fallow ground. Can you look back at a time in your life, maybe when God's Spirit was working powerfully in your heart, when the word of God just came alive in your hands and, and went straight to your heart? When people were running to you, coming to you, left and right, just out of the clear blue sky, it seemed to you. It wasn't clear blue sky. <laughs> people were coming to you, left and right, seeking your help and seeking your counsel and wanting to hear from you because you obviously had something going on in your life that they wanted a part of. What amazes me is how quickly this can happen. It takes years for ground to go fallow. This is a short trip for hearts. Personal preparation. Sow to yourself in righteousness. Painful cultivation. Break up your fallow ground. Persistent supplication. It is then time to seek the Lord, he says. Until he comes and reigns righteousness upon you. How long do we seek the Lord? Until he comes. You see we need a reign of righteousness. And that is a metaphor in this passage. Of the blessings of the spirit of God. Here we are with a hard fallow heart. Fruitless. But the reign of righteousness changes all that, where the dryness and barrenness can be transformed into a fruitful and abundant field. That dry and brown and hard land can be replaced with a beautiful, vibrant, glowing green. That is the reign of righteousness. 
There's no alternative plan. Nothing else works. We can add in all the innovation we want to. It's not going to happen. Uh, one old preacher put it this way. He said, we were as powerless to bring in revival as we, uh, by human instrumentality and by our own ingenuity as we are powerless to bring in springtime by lighting coal oil lamps. We don't, have, we don't have it in us, folk, to bring in springtime. We don't have it. We've got irrigation wells, I'll grant us that, but we don't have the power to bring in springtime. Only God can do that. He does it in His time. What we need then is revival. We need a reign of righteousness. We seek the Lord until He comes. You can't water the world with a water pistol. Shooting out a few drops is just annoying. We need a rain of righteousness, a drought bursting rain. But the blessings of the Spirit of God. God doesn't jump just because we say to, He doesn't move just because we tell Him to. He doesn't come and join us in our priorities and our plans. We must join Him. It is time to seek the Lord until He comes and rains righteousness upon us. What a great passage. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and rain righteousness upon you. It is time. It's time. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul brings up an Old Testament passage that says this. In an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. That's 2 Corinthians 6. Two. Behold, he says, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Time. We can see this then as a companion passage to what Hosea said so long ago. It is time to seek the Lord. Here's Second Corinthians chapter 6. God speaks of an acceptable time. A time of salvation. A day of salvation where I've helped you. And if we wonder what that is, it is a time, the acceptable time, is a time when God is hearing us and God is helping us. We assume that any time we get ready to do something for God, that God is ready. That He's all automatically going to respond to whatever it is that we decide to do. But if it's one thing I've learned in my 40 plus years of ministry, it is that God don't always work just because we think He ought to. God doesn't move on demand. There's an emphasis on timing. God moves when the time is right. It doesn't happen all the time. It's precious. If we think about the rain of righteousness raining down on that hardened, fallow ground, weed-filled ground, so that all it does is just roll off. I can give you an even stronger image when I was pastor over here at Hazen in the middle of farm country in the Grand Prairie of eastern Arkansas I often heard the farmers on 
the morning complaining. Because every time it come up a rain, it seemed like it rained up there on all that concrete they said in Little Rock. Why can't God send it over here for it to do some good? That concrete up there in Little Rock, just, oh, I guess they needed a rain. It doesn't do any good on concrete. Let's think about that for a minute tonight when we think about the rain of righteousness. God doesn't waste his rain of righteousness on people with hardened hearts. That's why this time of preparation time of breaking up our fallow ground is so critical for us to prepare our hearts for the movement of God. And when God sees that the time is right, He does incredible things. Think with me of that moment so long ago when Simon Peter took a nap. He was in Joppa. Joppa, they call it over there. He's in Joppa. Went up on the housetop, uh, on the roof. Uh, it was soon going to be lunchtime, and Simon Peter dozed off. And God spoke to him. You remember how that he sent him a vision of a great sheet. And on, in that sheet were all kinds of animals, things that formerly had been unclean. And he says to Simon Peter, rise, Peter, kill and eat. One of the most contradictory statements in the Word of God is found right there in Simon Peter's response. Not so, Lord. <laughs> Not so, Lord. What a contradictory statement that is. Not so, Master. No. <laughs> I've, I've never eaten anything like that. I can't eat that stuff. It ain't right. Oh, that was... Uh, repeated three times with God's response. What I have sanctified you don't call common or unclean. And of course you know how the story played out. Because God was not only working in Joppa with, on Simon Peter. But God was also working there in Caesarea. With a Roman by the name of Cornelius. A centurion. Well known. Seeking God. Peter was told a messenger would come and that he was to go with them. And you know, of course, how it all worked out. Just as soon as the vision happened, there was the opportunity to go. Aren't you glad Simon Peter went? He went to Cornelius. One of the greatest, momentous moments in gospel history happened. That day, because the gospel went to the Gentile people, and we tonight are still the recipients of that act of obedience. Well, the most interesting thing about that passage is that God didn't give Simon Peter time to put that in the budget. Guys, they didn't even get it in the bulletin. <laughs> I mean, nothing. No advance warning. God was at work in Caesarea. In Cornelius' life, lo and behold, God was at work in Joppa. No wonder the Bible says, in an accepted time I've heard you. At the proper time then I will help you. That time when God hears us, that time when God is working. And that's the time then for us to respond. And when we respond, Then great, great, amazing things can happen. What a revival was sparked.
by that simple act of obedience. Now, I'm not going to tell you tonight that everything went smoothly with Simon Peter. He got in a lot of trouble <laughs> for what he did. Got called on the carpet. But as they explained what had happened, and oh, it, it was an, a marvelous explanation. Eventually, everybody glorified God. They all saw it. Yet God was working. God was moving. And therefore, Simon Peter's response, though unusual and unprecedented, that response was exactly what God wanted him to do. I bring that up to you tonight as a simple illustration of what Hosea was calling for so long ago. And for what we need to prepare for even tonight in Cabot, Arkansas. It is time to sow to ourselves in righteousness and reap in mercy. To break up our fallow ground because it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and rains righteousness upon you. Ask any farmer how it works and he'll tell you. Ask any of them. Any gardener, they'll all tell you it's the same thing, especially farmers. You can break up the ground. You can put all the fertilizer down, put the seed in the ground. But when it's all said and done, you still got to have something. Rain. You can put the seed in the ground, but it can't make it grow. In the end, it's always dependent on what only God can do. So are we. It is time to seek the Lord until he comes and rains righteousness upon you. Maybe tonight this has a very personal application to you. Maybe somebody watching at home. And there's a hunger in your heart. There's an emptiness in your life. You've tried to fill it up with all kinds of things. Nothing has worked. You might be a recipient of the grace of God and the power of the Spirit of God working in your life. You're not here then watching this program by accident. It's time to seek the Lord. For some of you, that means you need to seek Him as your Savior. Call upon the Lord, the Bible says. Call upon me while I'm near, God said. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. I've got a hundred passages of scripture in my head and in my heart I could share with you tonight on this. The time for you to call on the Lord is the time when he's calling on you. It's not your moment, that time for you to be saved. Maybe you've already been saved, but you had not been baptized. Maybe you need a church home. God's leading you to be a part of this fellowship, maybe tonight. You realize you've let your heart grow hardened to the work of the Spirit of God. And maybe tonight it's time to break up some fallow ground and seek the Lord. Let's stand together, please.